This episode of the Behind the Mask podcast is sponsored by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you know you're getting a real deal. Whether you're looking for a head-turning handbag or a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gym, or sneakers and streetwear that make every step feel fly. Remember that first style piece or luxury item you just had to have? How did it make you feel when you finally got it? These days, to know for sure you're getting the real deal, go straight to eBay. When you're searching, just look for that blue check mark. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. That means when you buy it, you can be confident that it's authenticated by real experts. Why is this the new way to shop? eBay is where you can find rare, limited-run pieces and special colorways you can no longer find in stores. Listen, when you're finally ready to buy that thing you love, you have to make sure you're not going to catch a fake. They're everywhere, and it's real tough to tell the difference for yourself. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, that's easy. So again, look for the blue check mark. That way, when it hits your doorstep, not only do you know it's real, but that feeling you get when you put it on is also for real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Behind the mask. To what's had to my boy? What's good, family? Another day in paradise. You know what it is. Absolutely, man. And it's listen. I'm I'm excited about today. Yes, indeed. I get a chance to bring in one of my childhood heroes. Mm-hmm. Like man, this dude was so iconic when it came to playing the linebacker position. And to I listen, I'm 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 geek, bro. I already know it. I already know it, man. So can I can I just go let's ahead with it. this intro? Let's get to it. All right, let's get to the intro. Today we have. I would like to say former All-Pro, but once you're All-Pro, you're All-Pro. Yes, indeed. Five-time Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. Led the league in tackles for many of years. Also a college football Hall of Famer. And last but not least, one of the biggest accomplishments that he has done, he's in the Atlanta Falcons ring. Of honor. So without further ado, I want to bring in my childhood iconic hero, the hammer, Jesse Tuggle. What's happening? Hey guys, it is good to be here. Hey two, UNT uh Mike, man, you guys been uh y'all been great. Y'all been great. I've been watching you guys, you're doing some great stuff. I followed your career, I know exactly what's going on. Um, I even saw you in high school, man. Yeah. Well, you came a star. Mm. See, I, so, I, I, I remember that, though. Because your nephew, Antonio. Right. Yo, Antonio was, uh, no, he he was in with, for Griffin High, and I, I go down, I probably was in my seventh year, too, mm. and I go and I see his linebacker. And this guy is making play after play after play, and my brother's with me, and I say, hey, man, this backer here is going to play in the league one day. <laughs> and you go down to Auburn and become a first-round draft pick. How else? You don't get no better than that, right? It's so fitting. Full so circle, fitting. Full I wish you would have told me that. I know, right? Because <laughs> I, I played the game, you know, obviously idolizing some of the guys who came before me yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, what made it so cool was because, like, you never do know. And I remember in that the Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Florida High School All-American right. game, you were there. Yep. And I saw you, and I remember my dad was like, my dad used to call me Key Man. He was like, right. hey, Key Man. <laughs> He was like, you know who that is? I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, Dad, I know who that is. Right, right. That's the hammer right there. You know what I mean? But no, just just the impact that you left on the game, man. So I appreciate it. And it's a joy to be able to have you in the the BTM studios today. Awesome. Awesome. It's good to be here, man. You know, for you guys to invite me down, it's it's awesome to me. You know, growing up right here in Georgia and and still living here, you know, after all the years of playing, you know, for the Falcons and, um, you know, with a son playing for the Falcons here now, you know, it's like a full circle. It's a full yeah. circle. And people get to see and have the opportunity to, to, 
to understand you know what you know a person like myself and like you and like to you know what we really how, who are we you know what we really go through what go through our mindset and that's what makes show this even it's so special when you do a podcast like this yeah 14 years you, you played in the game and bro that's a long time and for me I remember just seeing you come up through even when I came in back in Hell, I can't remember, but <laughs> don't want to tell my age. But no, nah, but nineteen ninety eight. Ninety eight. Just do it, yo. But like, yeah. what, what what was the secret to your longevity? You know, the biggest thing when I look back now, I think uh, there's no substitute for hard work. You know, I, I felt I felt that um, if I worked hard in the off season or you know, in the gym, um, uh, right before the season started or right before training camp, I kept myself in shape year round. And you got to understand now we have the off-season programs, you know, yeah. some of these programs. But there was no off-season program when I when I was playing. So you really worked out on your own, you know, mm -hmm. and try to keep yourself in shape. And I felt if I stayed in shape year-round, it'd give me an, a, an advantage, you know, by the time the season started. And that made me, that motivated myself. And I wa always wanted to be the most fit, the best fit, the strongest guy on the team. And, um, you know, so when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, you know, I was declared the strongest guy on the team. You know, I, I was, I'm a 525 pound bent presser. And um, at, at, at that point, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to have something to give me an edge. You know, I'm kind of five foot 11, right? So, uh, you know, I played under 230, about 228. And it, it helped me a ton though. It helped me take on big guys like mm -hmm. you too, you know, because uh, it gave me that leverage and power underneath. And, um, and it was a lot of hard work and time and, and just motivating yourself to get better. You know, you want to win, but to win, I got to I got to make myself better to make my team better. So it was that concept. Man, and five hundred something pound squats. Yeah, is that how you got the nickname the hammer? The hammer, man. Listen, the, <laughs> hammer, the hammer was unbelievable because, I, first of all, I was a natural hitter. Um, you know, I, I didn't fear contact. Uh, I probably be, probably would have been suspended a few times already this year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with the now, new right? with the new rules. But it was it became natural for me to hit people and run through people. And I wanted to do it all the time. And um so a lot of my, you know, when you come in, you're undrafted and you're from a small school like Vassal State and you don't have that history to, to around the other players, you know, playing in the SEC or ACC. And, but what one thing you gain though, when you start hitting people, you gain their respect. Right. And that point I think I was like, it came so natural to me to explode and run through people. And then a guy say, man, this dude hit like a hammer. And that nickname just stuck with me. <laughs> See, and clearly, because I remember like, I just really, it's two linebackers on the show today. Right. And I really like this. So, like, tell him what you used to do to these offensive linemen. Oh, hey, you stay low, baby. Bro. Stay low and use leverage. You would have shown two-time neck, yeah, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, I tell you, the crazy part about you know, being a linebacker, I speak from a linebacker yeah, perspective, man, a linebacker perspective, we knew that we couldn't outpower you guys. Right. So our goal was to use leverage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew that I wasn't, I, I was 230. I don't know if you played 280. I played against guys 300 plus. Yeah. So we had to stay low and use power angles. And, um, and I felt like I got really good at it. I had to be good at it to survive in the NFL, but, um, but trust me, I got a lot of respect for offensive linemen. Yeah, he talking about shorting at somebody. He, you ever went against uh, Larry Allen? Yeah. Yeah, Spice. Right. Yeah, Larry Allen took Spice lunch, so he talking about shorting the people. That, you <laughs> that, go that didn't work so well. <laughs> I wasn't the first one, and I damn sure wasn't well, the last one. Like, look, look I, can re I can recall early in my career, um, there was a guy named, I, I'm like terrible with names, but I, I would never forget this guy's name. His name was Tom Newberry. 
played for the Los Angeles Rams at that particular time, and he was a guard, and he gave me more than I can handle the entire game. So my linebacker coach, instead of just dogging me out the whole year, I mean, if we're watching the game tapes and saying, this is what you can't do, this is what you can't do, that's why you got beat, he goes, listen, in this league, you're going to learn it. You're going to find some guys that who's better than you, mm-hmm. who's stronger than you, but you need to learn from that. So next year, you'll be ready. And the year after that, you'll be ready. And that made me a better person because I was expecting to get, because I got beat up that game. I got pushed around, knocked down. I got beat up. And I was like, the coach is going to kill me. They're going to watch the tapes and kill me. But he gave me an encouragement speech and said, it's a learning lesson. So you get better from that. And that really helped me a ton to mentally get over the hump that there are some guys out there who can pay too. Yeah. That can, that can, that's a little better than you as well. So, you know, so NFL is humbling because, um, okay. you know, it's a, you, you, it's a unique, uh, you have to obviously be a unique athlete to play in the league, but there's a lot of great athletes, and um, it made me respect um, the offensive line position, uh, the center, um, the guards, and the tackles because those guys, man, they brought lunch. They brought yeah. lunch. Tough is in your DNA. It drives resilience. Even when they told you that you couldn't, you did what no one else could because you're different from the rest. Every day you work hard to conquer challenges, making the impossible happen, and tomorrow you will do it all over again with a truck that's just as tough as you. Explore the best Ford truck for you today at Ford.com. Built Ford Tough. And you talk about being unique with the mindset. Undrafted coming out of that Austin State. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that mindset transcend going over to the NFL that really helped you become the player that you are, uh, that you were? Right. I, I agree because when you're undrafted, you're 5'11", you play at Boston State, never played on TV. It made it motivated me to a sense that I got a chip on my shoulder now. Yeah. You know, I got a chip because I got to prove not only to everybody else I can play, I got to prove it to myself I can play. And that made that motivated me even more because I wanted to go out there each and every week training just to, so I can be in position to try to show people that, no, I not only can make this team, I can be one of the best players on this team. So it sort of motivated me. Uh, you know, I come from Griffin High School with Griffin Bears, and we had some great talent there. And I was the M- MVP of that team. I would go to Barossa State, um, Division II school that never didn't have a winning program until I got there. And I was the MVP of that team. But it didn't mean nothing when I got to the Atlanta Falcons mm-hmm. because we got the high-round draft picks, you know what I mean? And we got this organization that I've been watching guys like Joel Williams and Buddy Curry and so many other guys who have been legends here in, in Atlanta. Yeah. And so I was starstruck. I mean, literally, when I saw Buddy, Buddy Curry at one point had almost 200 tackles in one year, and I'm at home in Griffin, Georgia, watching him on the TV with my dad, right? And now I'm, I'm standing right beside Buddy, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the same guy I used to watch four years ago. Now I'm playing right there with him. And then once I started elevating my game to match his game, I sort of excelled his game a little bit. And, and, he, and he will even come up to me and give me compliments about different things I could do. But you had no idea you, that I was doing it. You know what I mean? When someone who's a, who's a veteran says something positive to you, positivity to you, it motivates your confidence. And you, you, just, you, know, you feel that you can just go out there and make plays you thought you couldn't make at one point. But it was it was awesome, you know, being a part of Falcon at that young age, and that's what really, that's when I really knew that I, I could do something special, you know, being an Atlanta Falcon, and um, and it worked out pretty good for me. And you had a stellar career, but 
in that stellar career, we all know there's that one welcome to the league moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you you might have got baptized. You might have got humbled. What was Jesse Tucker's right, welcome hey, to the league moment? Hey, dude, I tell you right now, man. Okay, the, the moment I can remember <laughs> that that really brings back some great memory. It was on a Monday night. And the Falcons, we didn't play on Monday night much. So it was on Monday night. Uh, John Madden was doing the game. Mm-hmm. And this time I had made one Pro Bowl. So, you know, I'm feeling good about myself. And we're playing the Cowboys, and they had a, a guard named Larry Allen. Larry Allen was my <laughs> Y'all both have- Hey, listen, Larry Allen was the real deal. You play, you play Larry? Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, man, when you get you know, a guy who's 6'5", they can bent press almost close to 600 pounds, mm-hmm. quite close to 800, 900 pounds, and still run a 4'7", 40, right. you know, at 330 pounds. And he really tattooed me, man. This one, you, I knew I was what in trouble. What'd he do to you, Coach? Listen, this, <laughs> listen, this, this one, I knew I was in trouble. When you can see with a Georgia Dome, right? And when you can see the top of the dome, that means you have to be lateral, right? So when, so when you got hit, like I hit, and I'm looking up and up, and I can see the top of the Georgia Dome, I'm like, wow. And then I come home the next day, you know, you come home, you like to watch our tape that we watch as players, but you don't want to hear the TV version because you got a legend like John Madden calling the game. And John Madden literally said, you won't believe this right here. Watch all pro linebacker Jesse Tuggle get crushed by Larry Allen. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I'm like, uh, okay. So so I thought that was pretty cool. And if it had to happen, I'm glad it happened on Monday night. And I'm glad that a legend like John Madden said it and and everyone around the league has so much respect for Larry Allen yeah. and the, you know the Hall of Famer. That um, it, it was it was a it was a moment in time that I wish I can forget, but I can't forget. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to forget that time when I ran up on him too, though. But mm-hmm. like you talked about some of the linemen, but what about some of the running backs though? Mm-hmm. Because you came out your era, man. You had Barry Sanders, mm-hmm. um, Emmitt Smith. Mm-hmm. Walter Payton, greatness, sweetness. Like, so out of all of the running backs, Eric Dickerson, like yeah. all of these guys, another guy, Eric yeah. Dickerson, ED, he was, he yeah. came on the show too as well. Great guy. Out of all of the running backs that you face, like who was who was that guy to where you like, he really left an impression <laughs> on me that I'll it, never forget. It's, it was, you know, when I look back at, at all the Running backs I had the opportunity to play against, I feel pretty fortunate because a lot of the guys, are, if not all of them, are Hall of Famers. Mm. Now, Sweetness, he retired the year be- before me, so I didn't get the opportunity to play against him. Mm. Um, but um, playing against Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith, Ari Dickerson, Barry Ward, Kristen Okoye, the oh, Nigerian yeah. nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, yeah. All the, all he wasn't tough, were, though, was he? Was he tough? What? Yes. <laughs> At 6'1", 240, yes, he was tough. Listen, so, but the crazy part is, when you think about Eric Dickinson, he was about 6'2", 6'3", right? And the Christian Collier was probably 6'1", um, you know, but the toughest guy was Barry Sanders. Listen, Barry at 5'9", maybe 5'10", was probably the most difficult running back I think I ever had to hit because this is one of the most elusive guys that, um, you know, and back in my era, you know, it was always we played twenty-one personnel, you mm-hmm. know, which is uh, two a tight end with two running backs mm-hmm. and two wide receivers. And uh, but I think Detroit were probably one of the first teams that, that that really just kept Barry in the backfield. How they playing today? 
with one back, but Never. still it didn't matter because he was so elusive, it was unbelievable. But I do recall times when they would get in short yards and they'll bring the big fullback in. And mm -hmm. back in those days, you know, it was like straight ahead football. You, the ISO is coming, right? right? Yeah. Not only I got to beat the ISO, a fullback that weighs 245, I got to beat the fullback and, and tackle the most tackle. elusive yeah. guy yeah. in the entire NFL. All right, so, um, and I had some great plays against Barry. And, and you know, Barry got a special coming up soon. And I, I don't think you don't see too many of the Falcon highlights <laughs> because I think I played pretty well against Barry. Hammer, yeah, we should have uh, seen you on there. We, I don't expect to see you on there. Uh, but I will say, though, um, he, he, was, he was incredible. You know, you know, these guys didn't break records for reasons. Um, you know, Emmitt Smith was in the field leading Russia for a good reason. He was the best, the best probably ever played. And Barry, Barry retired early. And you know, those two might could have pushed for that record. Uh, I feel so fortunate to play against Eric Dickinson. These are guys who are legends. Even now, when, uh, when they're having commercials and or showing, um, you know, just their highlights and everything else, I still get goosebumps because I felt like they they helped build the NFL. I mean, mm -hmm. their star power and their athleticism, their gift they had to play running back and and to play against them on Sunday, trying to prepare against them was incredible. You know, it was it was just so many teams um, that was back in the day that was really good. You know, almost like the uh, the San Francisco 49ers, when, when I played against them, they might have right now, when I look back, they might have, I think they had five Hall of Famers on that team. But yeah. you didn't know it at the time, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you see why they was good at that time. And, um, and, and to be a part of this history of, you know, of the 80s and the 90s uh, playing uh, pro football, it was, um, it was an awesome experience for me. And um, it's something that I cherish the rest of my life. And when you look at the game now compared to when you did play, Mm -hmm. How much has the game uh, changed at the linebacker position? And do you think you would still have that type of success that you had then? That's a good question. That? I mean, that is a great, great question because the game has changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, obviously, it's a passing game now. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I, I think I probably have, in my career, I, I have over 2,000 tackles. Um, actually, 2,065. Okay. And, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, you're a linebacker. You keep you, up with that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. so, but... There's no possible way that, you know, after 14 years in the league, that I could possibly have made that many tackles with the with the uh, offensive run today. Mm -hmm. And and probably my style of play has been physical hard nose, you know, uh, very planned very aggressive. It probably wouldn't even work today because mm -hmm. the game is such a passing game that I probably had to redo my technique or figure out how I can cover running backs out of the backfield mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. But um, the game has changed. And then the... For, I consider myself a, a hard hitter, a physical hitter, and and I probably got a lot of fires for it with the, in the league now with the way I played. And um, and but no disrespect to any of the linebackers now, you know they're not trained to hit like way we used to hit. You know the yeah. we used to hit and and run to the ball and just give it everything you have yeah. at any cost. You just give your body up at any cost. Whereas now, you know, you got the salary cap, you got to think about injuries, mm -hmm. you got to think about not getting a fine. Nice, hey, is the quarterback yeah, going to <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Is the quarterback going to slide or he's going to continue to run? Because the linebackers now can't hit the quarterback, really, because you don't know if he's going to slide or, or get hit. You think about penalties. So the game has changed. There's no disrespect. I think um, a lot of time as an older player and a guy that played in the 80s and the 90s, we'll, we, always like, we also like to always compare, you know, could that guy made it? when I played or could he have, could I have made it when he played? But I think that's the biggest thing. Um, that's why these shows are so great. And the fans get to hear from us personally that, um, yeah. that um, every generation thinks that generation was the best. 
and yeah. and no one else gonna beat it. It happened in all sport, baseball, football, basketball. Mm-hmm. And uh, but even but I have a lot of respect for the players that play now. Um, you know, I don't think uh, I, I don't think that uh, they're a better athlete overall than we were. But at the same time, we did what we had to do at that particular time, and that to be hard nosed, be physical, and just play uh, and learn how to actually read and react to plays. Um, and I think that was a big part, you know, as a linebacker, as watching the tapes, watching the triangles, seeing the guard, seeing the tackle. Is he in the light stance, in the heavy stance? Something that would give a key off that give us a, um, I always tell people I didn't guess, but I anticipate a lot from film study. So I can accelerate to the ball as fast as I can, I can accelerate. And, um, and even during the seasons, I used to have other players from different teams who would ask me uh, during the game or even after the game, he said, Togo, I watched you during the game. How did you recognize that play so fast? And you remember, you remember the counter OT. The counter OT yeah, was a yeah. big play back in the eighties and nineties. And I used to recognize that play before they didn't get started and go in the backfield and make the tackle. And I used to have guards and tackle ask me at the end of the day, um, "Hey man, just give me a did, did I give the, did I give, give it away? Yeah. That was my hand too light. I'm just trying not for you, but for next week. I'm trying to get ready. So I thought that was a compliment, you know, coming from your peers." when they know you're doing something that um, is a little different than someone else is doing it. Bet you didn't know this. One in eight people have worked at McDonald's. That's right. They went to McDonald's for a job and found so much more that was too good to pass up, like McDonald's online high school program, where over 82,000 people received access to education, and McDonald's archway to opportunity, where many have developed business and entrepreneurial skills. Think about it. With McDonald's, there's a lot of power in one in eight. One in eight have worked at McDonald's, and where you start stays with you. What back would you say... That you really completely, you anticipated that thing right. and you saw it and you was like, I'm going to give him the damn yeah, business that's right, right here. <laughs> that's, that's a great question. I think, I, I do recall um, playing at Georgia Dome and um, and this particular time I was mic'd up. I was mic'd up and we were with NFL Films and we're playing against the Jets. And I must have, I can't think of the, the running back name. I met him years later because he's a, he's a friend of mine. Um, He's a friend of Victor Green's, who's a who's a played you know DB for the Jets, and he's a running back that played for the Jets, and um, and he happened to be the guy that I hit, and I absolutely let loose. You know what I mean? It, it wanted, so it one of the better hits that I had. You know when when I'm been videotaped live, and and I do recall after the game, um, the guy who's doing the film for the NFL Films came to me and said, Jesse, we we uh, we we make a lot of guys, we make a lot of guys, we want to get the best plays, but hardly we hardly ever. Are they a great athlete? We hardly ever get that play. He said, "Today we, we got, got that play," and I thought that was pretty cool, man. That was that was pretty cool. And you don't remember who it was? I can't. You don't. You don't want to embarrass him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Listen, he, no lies in the lines, man. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> he, he, he's gonna kill me when you see me because I played with golf with him a few times. And I don't want to mention the name because, but at the same, <laughs> but at the same time, it was a jet player. Okay, it was a New York jet player. <laughs> we go run it back. We go find out, man. All right. <laughs> but man, you you talking about golf? Uh, Takiro, our audience knows Takiro loves golf too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys struggle with finding that competitive edge right. after they retire, right? Mm-hmm. Making that transition. What are some of the things that you do to make sure that your transition from the league was a successful one? All right, that's a good question. Um, the the first part of playing an NFL player, I think, because you know you made it to the league. I played 14 years. Um, the, the, you got to understand, we started playing kids, right? Yeah. We, we yeah. started playing kids. You go to junior high, you go to high school, and boom, you become a star in high school and college. 
the NFL, and now we've been playing so long, and now we're when I retire, I was 35 years old, and I used to have dreams, you know, dreams I need to be somewhere. You know, like mm -hmm. I've been I say my first month or first year I retired, I must have had the multiple multiple dreams I need to be somewhere. Yeah. I missed the meeting. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Right? It's crazy because yeah. it's so in tune in your brain and your mm -hmm. mind. You need to be somewhere, and it become a part of your identity. You know, as a yeah. pro at professional athlete. You know. But we're still men as well in that families and do regular stuff that everybody, you know, everybody do, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, like raising kids and, you know, going to going to the grocery store with for your wife. I started doing all the routine stuff. I mean, all the routine stuff. And then I picked up golf. Okay. And I think golf sort of helped me a ton. It's brought that competitive edge back to the table. You know, and, and since I wasn't a golfer first, I had to learn the game. And it took years yeah. and years, you know. But it was so fun to me that when I hit a bad, so many bad shots and I would hit a good shot, it always brought me back. And I think each and every year I got better and better. Um, I probably would never be a single-digit guy, <laughs> but I enjoy my, my – I'm a 13. I enjoy it, right? Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of fun, um, you know, competing with my friends each and every weekend, playing in golf tournaments. You know, it's just it's – a, it's a blast. So um, – it's that competitive edge. That, that's what because there's nothing can replace being. I'm, since I played for the Falcons at that time in the Georgia Dome, and you got seventy-five to eighty thousand people, and they introducing the starting lineup, yeah. and Jesse the Hammer Togo comes out. I mean, you don't get that feeling nowhere else. Nowhere else. You get it nowhere else. I went running with the Bulls this summer trying to get right. it. Right. <laughs> it was close. It was close, right? <laughs> but I yeah. survived to tell you about it. Hey, hey, there you go. You, listen, <laughs> I tell you what, Spike, you, you're a good man. I don't know if I could have made right, that. You, you're a good man. Yeah, sure you could have. Yeah. <laughs> this joke out there running and, right. you know, you know, linebackers, y'all do the bag drills. And, exactly. You know, oh, that, oh, that helped you a ton, right? No. You, you're good. I, thought, I, thought, listen, I thought you were pushing the Bulls off. <laughs> No. What had happened was no, somebody got in my way, right. but no, no. Oh my! <laughs> no. Here goes the story too. Right? Now, you 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 talked about like a blast, right. like having a blast playing the game, yeah. and it's hard to reenact that mm -hmm. feeling that you get, you know, opening day or whenever you mm -hmm. have camaraderie with the guys. Uh, but you got to give me some insight on that blast you had. Yeah. You, you, listen, man having the opportunity mm -hmm. to walk up to the stage at the draft yeah, and pick the draft pick for the Atlanta Falcons, mm -hmm. but then also to find out, like, man, this my seed yeah. I'm bringing to this yeah. team that I came here mm -hmm. and earned the name Hammer. How did that feel? Takiyo, I'll tell you this right here, man. And it wasn't staged or planned. And, um, you know, uh, my oldest son, Justin, was already in the league. He was like in his second year yeah, with, with Houston, Houston. Houston Texans. Yep. Okay, so my youngest son is playing at Clemson. But he's a star player at Clemson. I mean, he's a star yeah, player. Cool, cool. All right, so during all the, you know, you know, during the lead up to the draft, you know, he probably thinks he's going to be a second, third, uh, fourth rounder, you know what I mean? So, um, so we're in day, I think day two or day three, when they do the late rounds. All right, so anyway, so I, I'm, I, the Falcons already told me that we're going we're gonna to do round, uh, the fifth round, mm -hmm. come down to the, uh, come downtown to Atlanta, we're in the uh, College Football Hall of Fame, and uh, we're going to, we had chose you to do the Falcons' fifth round. So I think that was probably, at that time, it was early, 
Uh, I'm just hanging out, hanging out, you know, playing cards with the guys in the back. It's your turn to get on stage. Then all of a sudden, everybody kept rushing up to me. Hey, Tim, the Falcons got a trade, man. They just traded in the fifth round. They got they're gonna pick they're gonna pick a guy. You need to go on stage right now. So I grabbed my little jacket, man. Walk so on they stage. Give you, they just right, they was like, hurry up, hurry up. Yeah, right, yeah, get on stage. Get on stage. We, we, we about to do this right now. So we get I get on stage. I get on stage. And I said, okay. I said, listen, man. Um, do we know who it is? And no, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. But the Falcons on they on they on point right now. They about they about to pick a guy. Then uh, all of a sudden, I said, okay, listen, man, the guy told me we got 30 seconds. Can you please tell me the name so I know how to pronounce the name, all right? <laughs> I, I want to make sure it was Blast. like a name I cannot pronounce and, and look crazy in front of all my friends and peers, right? I know they watch it. And I'm like, uh, make sure I can rehearse the name so I can make sure I get it right, blah, blah, blah. Then the guy, the, the guy goes, yeah, it's, it's a kid out of, um, in the clips, uh, it's Grady Jarrett. I said, so I turned, this guy had about 15 more seconds. I said, look, man, stop, stop playing because, um, you know, this serious man. Tell me, tell me, you got a name for real. Stop playing with me. Then uh, he told, "No, serious man. They're gonna, they're gonna draft the D tapper, Grady Jarrett, out of Clemson." I said, "I said, listen, you know it's my son, right?" And then uh, he said, "Jesse, I'm not kidding. That's what we're gonna draft." So I gathered myself for a minute, like, "Okay, we're gonna draft uh, my kid, right?" And um, and that, and this was a particular stage. At this point, we had another young female who had won a contest, who actually gonna be on stage with me, mm-hmm. and I'll see the name, and she's going to actually, I'm going to announce it, but she's going to help me do it, too. Mm-hmm. But I, I was so excited, man. I almost did what I was, before <laughs> I told her, you know what I mean? Good thing I did, because you, know, you don't get that moment back. You right. know what I mean? It would have been a terrible moment for her, because I would have been pushing ahead. <laughs> so I was like, are you absolutely serious about to draft him? And, and sure enough, man, the fifth round, they drafted my son, uh, Grady Jarrett. And, um, and I thought it was pretty, you know, it was, it, was, it was humbling because, you know, I, I played um, 14 years here for the Falcons, a five-time Pro Bowler in the Ring of Honor and all this kind of stuff, but it wasn't planned, it wasn't staged, they needed a D-tackle and and they got him and 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 needless I say anything else that he's been everything and more um, you know, that he could possibly produce for the Atlanta Falcons by being a low draft pick, almost like how I came in as a fridge and you get a chip on your shoulder and you want to show people that, hey, listen, you missed out on me. You missed out on something by not choosing me early, but I want to show you what I can do. So that was the biggest um, thing that I think he had a chip on his shoulder. You know, unfortunately, his house had caught fire the, the, the yeah. night yeah. before. And it was just so many things that was going crazy, but, you know, it just it just worked out for the good. So everything worked out for the good. And, and now... Eight nine years later, you know you can see what he means to the Falcons. Um, you know you don't he don't see so many players come and go just like I did. I was like the long person on the team that yeah, stayed the longest ten years, and he's he's that type of guy now, and he's doing it right here in the city. You know um, where you know my jersey and the Ring of Honor, all the accolades that I've achieved over the years will happen right here in Atlanta, and now my son get to live through it. So it used to be to the point where people would say, um, um, you're Jesse Tuggleson, right? And, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of controversy about everything, but it, everything is good. Everything is great. You know, my kids, they love each other. You know, um, my, life, my wife loves Jared. Uh, it's just a great situation, you know, for everybody. And But for a long time in Atlanta, though, it was almost like, and see, Jerry said, you're Jesse Tuggleson. And now, as the years go by, they say to me, um, 
You grade Jared dead, right? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's funny how time changed me. Mm-hmm. Now he's just starfully. He takes you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, it don't it don't bother me at all. And um, and I, I'm real proud of him. You know, for all the things that he accomplished over the years, and um, it's been good. You know, and particularly to be right here, and you know, in my home state, um, and um, uh, and everybody just, you know, it's a big family, um, and we all get get along great, and it just. Awesome, awesome how, you know, Jessica and my daughter and Justin cheer for him and they cheer for each other. But I will say the most, the best thing that for me as a, as a parent and as a football player um, had to be 2016 where the Houston Texans was playing, the Atlanta Falcons um, in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It might have been George Jones Stadium at the time. And, um, and at halftime, I mean, on the second quarter, they wanted to give me, they wanted to honor me in the second quarter. Not at halftime, it was like two minutes before halftime. So they brought me out to the 30 yard line and they played my highlights for like 20, 20 to 30 seconds. And then I got a, my oldest son to the left of me and I got my youngest son to the right of me. Yep. And that moment alone, I think, and I don't even know they know that, but that meant so much to me because they have both of my boys because uh, right the Falcons there, right. was playing against right. Houston, so Justin was there. Yeah. Grady was obviously there. Obviously there. And that was Justin, my oldest son, first time coming back to Georgia mm-hmm. to actually play. And, you know, he's a, he was out in Texas, and, um, and he played college ball in Kansas. So, at Kansas State. So, it was the, a big moment for me, and, and I'm glad the Falcons recognized that and, and yeah. honored me right, right, right at the second quarter. And then... And, um, it was like silence for a minute because they shut the lights down a little bit and everybody was new. They're not in the locker room. They're on the sideline. So you got the Houston Texans on the sideline. Then you got the Atlanta Falcons on the sideline and they showed my highlight and they, and it lasted for probably two minutes. You know what I mean? But that was a, that was a great two minutes of my life. And uh, it meant a lot to me to see my kids out there competing at this level. Yeah. What about Jessica? What, what did Jessica she is my baby. I'll tell you right now, yeah. Jessica is a daddy girl. You light up when we uh, talk about Jessica. Yeah, you know, I tell everybody, I said, well, you, I said, Justin's super athletic. Jared, super athletic. But I think Jessica was the best athlete. Wow. <laughs> she, that, that daughter of mine is unbelievable. You know, she, um, you know, she, was a, she won a state championship in the 100 meter hurdles when she was her senior year in high school, but she didn't even go to college to run track. She mm. went to college to play tennis. And she was the only African American American girl on the um, the tennis team at Valsa State. Um, and she at Valsa State University when she was there. And then her senior year, she won Homecoming Queen. And um, and I thought that was so cool. And, and but I'm even more proud of her now because you know she went to Syracuse for two years. It cost me about a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> but Syracuse for two years for a master, me for her master and got her master and now. It's about giving back. So, you know, she works with uh, adolescents and she's a mental therapist and um, adolescent young adults who are having difficult times in their life and mm-hmm. she's the person that can get them going back regular. And uh, so I, when I look back at all my kids, um, I'm, I'm just proud of all of them. You know, I'm, I'm so proud of all of them for everything they accomplished. And, um, and, um, and it's cool to still be like, you know, still here in Georgia, still here in Atlanta, Healthy, yeah. um, watching them do be the best they can be in their own in their own right in their own profession, and uh, it's been great. You know, you know, even Justin, he only played three years for the um, Houston Texans, but he but he played five years up in the CFL. You know, wins a great cup, 
Uh, you know, it's just awesome because um, it's not many people can say, you know, um, you know, you had two sons that one year, one is playing in the Great Cup and the other one playing in the Super Bowl. Because when, when Jared was playing in Super Bowl 51, 18 years after I played in Super yeah. Bowl 33, yeah. Justin was playing in the 106 um, Great, Great Cup, Cup. In, um, in, in, in Canada. So at that point, I'm like, as a dad, what else can you ask for, right? So, um, so and for everybody to be healthy and everybody doing well, um, it's been great, man. You know, I, I, I love it here in, in Atlanta and um, I have pe- friends and people ask me all the time, hey, um, you had a choice. What state would you want to live in? I can't think of nothing other than Georgia because uh, I've been here all my life. So um, it's, it's been cool and um, and I meet some great people. I think, um, you know, despite you and I was talking earlier about how many great athletes come out of the state of Georgia. Right? Yeah. And, then, and then that's not that's not knocking New York, okay? <laughs> it is knocking New York. We need apologize for that. <laughs> listen, we we historically have had some of the best athletes to come out of New York. All right, I Michael like Jordan I like was born in New York. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is Hold on, you can't be reaching out. What is this guy doing? doing? Is this a football show? It is. <laughs> this is a football show. <laughs> we are talking about football. Some of the, the, the best athletes. Michael Jordan was born in New York, man. Is he not the GOAT? He's the GOAT. I'm not going to take that away from him. Case closed. Well, since he pulled that one on us, we're going to let him have that, okay? We'll, we'll let him have it. All right. <laughs> we'll let him have it. He's feeling left out over there. BTM fam, what's good? It's your boy, Tuton Reyes. If you like using debit over credit, I just learned about something that's definitely a game changer. Discover Cashback Debit. It's a checking account that rewards everyone with cash back on everyday purchases, which means you can get cash back on tickets for the game, snacks, team merch, or with no fees, making this season a total win. Check out eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. But you do some amazing things uh, in in the community as well, man. So yeah. talk about some of your your philanthropic right. efforts, some of the things that mean. You know what? To you. It's been great to give back in the mm-hmm. community, and since I'm from here, you know, from Georgia, you know, I can remember times when um, we, my wife was real big of a Make a Wish Foundation, mm-hmm. where you know, and I was an Atlanta Falcon player at this particular time, and we probably did it for like six to seven years in a row, and just see a kid be granted a wish, put that terminally yeah. ill. And that bring you back perspective. Cause at this particular time, my kids were young, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I can imagine what if that was my kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I wanted some I wanted them to experience and their family to experience something great. Mm-hmm. So I got I got a lot of joy out of that. Uh, I don't play in so many charity events, man, where when they're playing golf, helping different charities. One of the most recent events that I did was um it was the re- it was the re- a reach out program for uh, Latino kids and a buddy of mine who lives near me, we play golf together and and they were raising funds to um, to help a lot of uh, Latino kids uh, in the community in mm-hmm. Gwinnett County. And it was and it was really a great feeling for me again because they had this big fund at this private golf club and I wasn't expected to say nothing that day and I'm busting on the front table with my buddy and all of a sudden, he said, well, we got uh, one of the famous, one of the Atlanta Falcons' most famous players here, Jesse Togo. Hey, Jesse, why don't you have to say a few words? I'll put you on uh, the spot. Yeah, <laughs> and it was so cool because my wife goes, at first, she goes, do not give him the microphone. He would not put it down. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> but it turned out, it was really, it was really cool. I just thanked everybody for being there. And uh, and obviously, you know, rise up for the Atlanta Falcons. But um, but it was just trying to be so natural, and it turned out to be so great. But it helped so many young kids. Yeah. 
And yeah. we forget how fortunate we all are, right? So um, that helps a ton. And then plus, I'm, I'm only 40 miles um, from Atlanta to Griffin, Georgia. My hometown is 40 miles south. Um, you know, I got a mother who's dealing with uh, dementia right now at 83 years old. That gave me the opportunity to go home, <clears throat> see her, spend time with her, share time and fellowship with all some people I went to high school with. Um, my wife family is there, <clears throat> and we give a lot back to the charities there. And we still belong to a church at Mount Zion, <clears throat> at Mount Zion in, uh, Baptist Church in Griffin. Mm-hmm. So being here so local, you still have that local connection. Um, you know, it's the church that my wife grew up in, she was, she was three years old. I joined the church when I was 25, and we got married there. And we've been married for 33 years, and we still remember that same church. It's like that kind of stuff that you, if I didn't live here in the state, I wouldn't have that history, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I've been so fortunate to go and see my high school coach in a golf tournament that that he retired 20 years ago, but we'll sit and talk about when I played when I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And and we just I just went to our 40th um, high school reunion where I met so many friends and and got to hear their stories about their families when they all in the back watching me, you know, from a distance and they're telling me how successful I've been and how proud they are to see me. But yet in my heart. I'm thinking identical same thing watching them. I said, mm-hmm. no, I'm so proud of you. Look at what you, you what you accomplished. Look at the family you've raised. Look at everything you done did with your life. And it means it means that much to me to share that because I it's just not saying it. I mean it's, it's truthful. And so many at this time and age when when kids and, and young adults and people could do so many bad things, they're doing so mm-hmm. many good things, <clears throat> you have to recognize that. So and that's the kind of person I am. I, I, I like to give back. <clears throat> I don't take nothing for granted. I don't play. I don't. I don't weigh one way or the other as far as um. Uh, some I don't weigh your success or your success compared to my success. We're all successful. Yeah. We're all alive. We have families. Right. We all doing great, and and that's what makes me happy. And, and um and that's the kind of person I am. As a player who achieved so many great, great accomplishments, whether or not if it's all pro, uh, going to the Pro Bowl numerous years. What advice would you give to younger players entering the league today? Be humble. Understand that nothing worthwhile comes easy. Mm-hmm. Anything worthwhile comes takes a lot of hard work. Um, don't get caught up in now. You know, with social media and everything, everything is like now. It's instant. Mm-hmm. Learn to put the hard work in, and it's going to pay off later for you. Um, other words, there's no shortcuts to to become successful. It don't matter if you drafted in the first round or the last round. If you have that, if you stay humble and understand that you have to put in the work to be successful and to continue to be successful year 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 in and year out. And you give yourself a high chance to play a long time in the league, and um, because it it doesn't come easy. I mean, you guys know that. Um, but for a young player who looking for the fame and the fortunes. That'll come. Mm. That'll come, right? Once you just put the, put the time in. Put the time in as far as in the weight room, the off-field stuff, um, in the classroom, learn the game. NFL is totally different than college, right? But the, mean, the tough part to that is, like, you got NIL deals out now. I agree. And so it, which makes it even hard, like, well, I know you're telling me to, like, my story right. is my story. <laughs> their story is their yeah, story. Yeah. But, like, what words could you really drive home to make somebody realize, like, what's for you is for you? 
You know what? Uh, I would tell you that that's a good question uh, because I know what a lot of the young players are probably thinking who's out there watching this or seeing us like, hey, man, you know, you didn't have an opportunity to get um, to make a 500000 or a million dollars when you was in college or whatever. But you're fortunate. I would tell them, first of all, they're fortunate. But don't get to the point where you take it for granted because it easy come, easy go. It's yeah. about long term. It's right. about long term. So think about if you're that athletic, if you're that talented, and you've been that fortunate, think about producing it even more. Think about more. Think about setting goals. And when you accomplish that goal, set another goal. But not, not a goal you can't reach, though. Set a reachable goal over a certain period of time. Reach that goal and instantly set another goal. And once you start setting goal after goal after goal, and you, you're building confidence every time you reach that goal. Mm-hmm. If you come in the league as a freshman, as a rookie, and say, I'm ready to be a Hall of Famer, that's maybe, that goes too, that goes too far down the road. Your goal should be, hey, I want to make this team, or I want to be a starter in this team, or I want to help this team win. Okay, and now and now once you achieve those goals, the fortune and the fame that you're looking for in college that you got the money for, you're gonna get more than that. Mm. You know, this is a billion dollar industry. Yeah. You know, it's cool, they're cool to make the money you're making now, but you got a chance to make 10 times that much mm. if if you do all the right things. Right. But it goes both ways. You can you can come in and be a bust your first year, get injured, and your career is done. You know what I mean? So don't take nothing for granted. I would tell them, make sure you go out there and continue to work hard. Anything worthwhile is worth working for. And it won't, don't think about it. You want it now. I mean, now, just work for it. Don't work for it. Just work for it. it it's going to happen. Just be patient and let it happen naturally. Gotcha. You remember, uh, you mentioned that you seen Takeo play ball in high school, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And remember in 98? Yep. Georgia native. Yep. <laughs> He thought he was. He told his story. He thought he was gonna get drafted by the line of Falcons Listen, playing linebacker. Now this is a this is a true story. You can't mm-hmm. make this stuff up. Okay, 1998. I uh, remember when we had. I'm watching the draft. Mm-hmm. Okay, obviously at this particular time, you know I probably wasn't in my 11th or 12th year, somewhere around there. So when you play in a position the same as someone else, you really don't want that person to get drafted yeah. in your position, okay? Because yeah. the NFL is about youth and about speed, mm-hmm. it's about power, <laughs> and it's about replacement. <laughs> and, and we, I, if you play long enough, everybody <laughs> goes exactly. through it. And I had a, a coach, a Jerry Glanville, that one time he told us that the NFL stands for not the National Football League, but not for long. Mm-hmm. So don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. All right, so we go back. We go back to the draft. I'm watching at home, and I know we need the linebacker. Mm. Two guys came up that I thought we were going to draft. One was either I thought we had Spikes, mm. and then um, uh, Brookings. Brooklyn, keep Brookings. And it was one of the two, one of the two. And I had, had actually, I had a um, local reporter who asked me the week of the draft. He said, if you got to pick a, like a linebacker, who would you think? I said, you know what? I like that kid from, that played down in South Georgia, though. I said, I remember when he played... Um, at Washington County, you know, and they came up and played this All-Star game. And I, and I, I followed him at Auburn. And I didn't watch Keith um, Brookings that much at Georgia Tech. So I I, I thought for a fact that we're going to pick you. Hell, I but, did too. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, so we picked Keith Brookings, but you didn't last long on the board because I think you went the very next pick. Yeah, That's yeah. That's exactly right. So for you, man, it wasn't like a dream come true, though. I never... <laughs> I would never know what it felt like to be on the stage when you were the first-round draft pick, though. So was it a dream come true for you? It, it was a dream come true. And, I mean, that's the goal. 
Like, we all want to be able to make it. But at that time, when I came out and was drafted, they only really invited the top five to seven guys. Okay. So I went I went 13, Keith Brooken went 12. Mm-hmm. So they really kind of cut the cutoff at right. that time. But I had a draft party, and, you know, you could see it on TV. Right. But, man, it was, you know, for me, the biggest thrill that I got out of that day. Hold on, let me just take, go back and tell you the story, though. <laughs> because All right. the Falcons, they actually called me. Okay. On the number 10 pick. Mm-hmm. And they was like, hey, if you steer there at 12, we're going to get you. Wow. So I'm thinking like, all right. Right at home. The commissioner gets up. Right. With the 12th pick of the draft, the Atlanta Falcons select linebacker. And you could just see me exactly. standing up. Exactly. So everybody exactly. from the crib I'm like, yeah, we made it. Yep. From out of Georgia Tech. <laughs> and I was like. Man, I didn't go no damn Georgia Tech. <laughs> Keep freaking. And I was like, I said, man, I said, they didn't even have to call me, man. So I look, immediately I look right. to my agent and I'm like, yo, Sims, who got the next pick? Right. The phone rung. Dick LeBeau. Awesome. How you doing, young fella? Awesome. awesome. I was like, outstanding, coach. I hope you're here to get me because right. I'm ready to get off the <laughs> Absolutely. board. Absolutely. But that, sure. you know, from that... But you know, it, it, it's I get people to this day too, like homegrown people from Georgia. They'll be like, "Man, I remember when the Falcons had the opportunity to get you." You know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. You know what I mean? But it it it, it was all good because yeah. shit. Hey, Keith Brooker had a hell of a career too. He did. He really. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine too. Yeah, he, he, he had, had a, a hell of a career. He had a good year. Good career. Imagine if you you guys would have played together. Though. How about that? That'd have been, that'd been that'd awesome, been crazy, huh? Man. <laughs> Exactly. It'd been it'd been like a, a true a true circle. You yeah. know what I mean? It'd yeah. been a true circle. True circle. And then, and then also, because I used to talk with, with Keith about this, mm-hmm. I was like, man, how was it playing with Biscuit and Hammer on the same team? Yeah. Uh, you got two icons yeah, right there on yeah, the same yeah. team. Yeah. Both cats deservingly could go into the hall. Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate it. For real. I mean yeah. that, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. And I'll tell you what, man, Brookings was a good guy too, man. One thing I would say, he came in as a top pick. But he was a hard-working dude, man. Hard-working guy. And even uh, when I, I remember when I retired, uh, you know, I spoke to the team, and Brooklyn's on the front row right there. And he had tears coming out, and he goes, man, I'm just happy that I got to know you as a person and watch you play. You, you taught me a lot of stuff. And anytime a young player can say that to a veteran player, it means everything in the world, True. right? It means everything in the world because we know, like we said earlier, NFL's not for long. And you want to leave some type of legacy. And then when someone look back at you and say, you know, I want to be like that guy, it, it means a lot. And um, so he said that, and I, and I appreciate that. So, but uh, but um, going back to what we talked about earlier, it would have been awesome to have a teammate. <laughs> that, 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 it would have been absolutely awesome. That would have been awesome. You would have rookie hazed him? What's that? Oh, yeah, okay, Mark. He would definitely have to bring me donuts. <laughs> uh, he would have to sing in the cafeteria. And for all, all the fans out there who are watching, that's the best part about playing pro sports because you get you get to act like kids. Yeah. And listen, you so and, and you get to humiliate 
Yeah, and, humiliate and, the cats who come and, in with a little clout. Exactly. Let me exactly. remind you, boy. And, and and it happened to all of us. All you know, we shit. all did it. You did it. I did it. Mm-hmm. I yep. can I can remember going to Swan, was in Swanee, Georgia, and we had to sing in the cafeteria. And you know how you want to skip lunch? <laughs> like, okay, they haven't got me yet, but they're I'm gonna get hungry. me tonight. <laughs> so, but but they did get me too, and it happened to everybody. And it's it's a part of history too, you know, to get called out in front of your peers. And you know, for the average fan, it, it's like I think if you go back and choose anything you want to do in life, you know, not many of us get the opportunity to play pro sports, particularly play pro football. It, it's it's like I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's one of the things that, that happened to you in life that you just appreciate so much. You know, you play under a lot of stress, a lot of a lot of pain. You know, a lot of pain most of the time. You hardly ever play healthy. Um, you have to produce at a high level. But then you get the joy of the game. There's nothing like winning with your teammates, getting to know someone that's going to be your friend for your life and someone you know you can walk into a battle with and say, you know what, I'm going to fight to the end. And that person felt the identical same way about you. Absolutely. And that's what made pro sports to me, particularly pro football, an awesome sport. I, you know, I, I call it the ultimate game. Man. It's the ultimate, ultimate team game. Yeah, it, it is. is. Mm-hmm. So many people you have to depend on yep. in order to get that W. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so many, so many. No doubt about it. Yeah. You played a long time. Mm-hmm. You left a lasting impact, mm-hmm. not only on me, but you talked about some of your other teammates who you were surrounded by. But at the end of the day, it's all about what type of legacy are you leaving? Mm-hmm. Now looking back at it since you're out of the game, what is that legacy that you hope that you left behind for the other ones to come behind you and and pick it up and take heed to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question because it made me appreciate how hard, how much I love the game. You know what I mean? At this age, I am 58 years old. And and I I try to think back when I was 18. Um, you know, just just wanted to get an opportunity. Opportunity to play uh, high school, but opportunity to play in college. And then if I play in college, if I have, ever have the opportunity, I want to play in the NFL. Uh, to, for a lot of reasons, not only my personal reason for my mom and dad, for my sisters and brothers, for my wife, for my community, for my little city, uh, for the city of Atlanta. At that time, I wanted to, um, I was just thankful that the Smith family, you know, just gave me an opportunity and Mr. Blank later brought out the Smith family. But my legacy that I, would, will, that I hope that people can see is that you're looking at a kid who grew up on a dirt road at five foot eleven, everybody told him he was too short. In Griffin, Georgia. In Griffin, Georgia. You can't make it. The league is too big for you. And and that put a chip on my shoulder. <clears throat> I wanted to do something that I felt that when I looked at the person in the mirror and asked him, Can you do it? Do you want to do it? Are you gonna listen to the naysay or are you gonna go show people you can play? And and that motivated me to to do something that uh, that it's hard to put in words because there was many days when you go to training camp and it's 95 degrees and we got 100 guys on the team who are trying to make the football team and they're only going to keep 56, 57 at that particular time. And, and I wasn't drafted. And all I wanted to, to, for them to do is let me get on the football field and I'll show you what I can do. So once I got the opportunity, I took it and I ran with it. So when I speak to young people now these days, I want to tell them when you get an opportunity, 
and even young ladies, it doesn't matter what who you are or what you want to become, all you want is an opportunity. But if you get an opportunity, don't blow it. Make sure you can handle everything and control it. Make sure you do all the right things that you can control. The hard work, the work ethics, doing the right thing, staying away from all the negative, the negative thing that can pull you back. So you give yourself a chance to be successful. If you give yourself a chance to be successful, that's the only thing you could ask for. And then you got to go out there and do it. So when people look at me, I wanted them to say, you know what, that guy, he worked hard. Um, he wouldn't stop. He played as hard as he possibly could. He left it all on the football field. And there was no regrets. There were no regrets. Um, you know, I never thought I, I would ever have the opportunity to play in a, um, a Super Bowl. You know, that happened in 1998. And that was probably one of the biggest things sport-wise that happened to me other than my kids and getting married, I suppose. And, and, and it was unbelievable. And I can remember we lost. Our biggest game was up in Minnesota for the NFC Championship, playing against Minnesota and, yeah. and Randy Moss and we hit rookie year, and we beat them guys when no one thought we could. And Chuck Smith. To the Super Bowl. Later. Exactly. Chuck Smith is laying on top of me on the field. Dan Reeves is on stage doing the Dirty Bird. It just, like, I had the images in my head, man, when Martin Anderson kicked that field goal, and we going, we going to Miami. And I can remember on the kickoff in Miami, the on the Super Bowl 33, Cher is standing right beside me. And I'm thinking to myself, I cannot believe I'm actually looking at Cher. <laughs> She's standing right beside me. She's about to sing the national anthem. And then the Jets go by and the hair on the back of my neck stand up. At this point, on the kickoff, I see all the flashes. Everybody want to get their first flash. As the game goes on, obviously, uh, John Elway had one of his best days. And he, we, we lose the game. So at the end of the game, this is the biggest part, at the end of the game, I was like torn. I mean, I was hurt because we put so much time, effort, hard work to be the best you can be. You're always going to remember as a champion, but if you don't win, you, no one's going to remember second. And, and Justin at that time, it was 1999, 1998 season, but it's 1999 now. You know, we played in the year. Justin's birthday is on, in January. He had just turned nine years old, and he was crying. I can remember him sitting there, and his tears come as, uh, at the, in the family section. And I said, he said, I said, Justin, don't worry about it. Um, it's just a game. Uh, I know you wanted us to win. He said, Dad, I'm not crying for me. I'm crying for you. Because I know how bad you want it. You know what I mean? It made me cry. <laughs> it made me tear up now thinking about it because uh, that's a nine-year-old kid saying that to me. Wow. So that's how emotional the game is. And that's how much heart we put into the game. So when you look at me now and at 58 years old, I still get teary-eyed over something that happened 30 years ago because there's so much emotion going to this game. So what legacy you're talking about, is that what I mean? Never quit, never give up, works hard, love the game, no regrets. And um, it's one of the guys that uh, we had our chance to take a, advantage of an opportunity, I took it and ran with it. So I think that's the legacy I want to leave. And that you did. <laughs> Falcons ring of honor, immortal. Thank Jesse you, man. Jesse the Hammer man. We appreciate you going behind the match, brother. Thank you, sir. Thanks for inviting me, too. Appreciate it, bro. You the man, man. Appreciate you the man. <laughs> that was awesome, guys. I appreciate you guys. Yes, indeed, bro. No doubt. Third person on the show, fourth with me. Uh, tear up. Man, awesome, we guys. Got, we, knew, we knew what's coming. <laughs> Y'all doing, doing something right, dude. <laughs> Much love, bro. Much love. Ain't no doubt. No doubt. Behind the mask.